Christmas time is, it's always a magical, special time of the year, right? We got snowfall coming down, we got our kids building a snowman in our yard, and, you know, we can think back to so many great Christmas memories over the years, probably as a child, uh, maybe that special gift that you got, you know, it's just always a special time of the year, and as I think back, there's one Christmas in particular I can remember probably above all the others, and that was about 11 years ago. Uh, Andrea and I, my wife, we were preparing for what we thought was going to be an amazing Christmas. And it was going to be extra special this year because we were preparing to have a child. We had learned that we had had a child and it was at Christmas time and we were making all the preparations to be able to announce that on Christmas morning to our family. You know, it was extra special. Christmas time is always special. We think about the birth of Jesus and what he did for us, but this year was just a little bit extra special. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember we went out and we, we purchased a lot of gifts to, to make that announcement on Christmas morning. And I was especially proud of a sweatshirt that I found from my dad that said Pappy on it. And it was a special time. It was an amazing year that was going to come up, but it quickly turned into a tragic season for us. About a week before Christmas morning, we had to go for our first ultrasound and we learned that there was no longer a heartbeat. And it just went to something where we were, we were on a mountaintop. I mean, not literally on a mountaintop, but figuratively speaking, we were on top of this mountain, we were on cloud nine, and then we had to uh, change all of our plans and not uh, let everybody, anybody know really what was going on. And we didn't want to ruin anybody else's Christmas, so we kind of held on to that and kept that inside. And, it just turned into a tragic event. And, you know, God eventually, he, he blessed us with two amazing, healthy young girls that have a lot of energy and keep us busy. But that season of our lives was really long. It was difficult, tragic. And it felt like her and I, we were walking through this wilderness all alone. And we, obviously we had each other, but... We felt alone because we didn't think anybody else really understood what we were going through. We didn't know if God was listening to our prayers, if he even cared what we were going through. Was God with us during this season of our lives? This morning, we are in part three of our series titled God With Us. And in this series, we've been looking back at different ways and different seasons of our lives of how we know uh, we can experience God in our lives. And we're letting this passage in the Gospel of Matthew kind of drive and steer us and keep us on the path during this series. And I want to start off this morning by revisiting that passage. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, if you would, turn to the beginning of the New Testament in the book of Matthew. And we're going to be in chapter 1, verse 23. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus, this passage is one of the most important verses that we have that really solidifies our faith and our belief that God is truly with us in all seasons of our life. In Matthew 1.23, it says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. Our series is titled God With Us. 
And we looked back last week and we looked at how God is with us through the valleys of life. If you joined us last week, we talked about the truth that, that we often enjoy God when we're on top of the mountain. Those mountaintop moments. But we experience him more intimately when we're going through the valley. And today I want to talk about another metaphor from, from scripture and that is being in the wilderness. And when we talk about that metaphor of the wilderness, we often uh, use uh, this definition of wandering in the wilderness. You know, how do we experience God's presence in the wilderness? You know, the wilderness for me is a little bit different than the valley. The wilderness usually lasts a little bit longer in your life. It's a barren place. It's a dry place. It's a desolate place where you feel very alone. And you don't feel like anybody understands truly what you're going through right now. And like I said, one of these images that we often use when we're talking about the wilderness is wandering through the wilderness. And as we're wandering through the wilderness, we w- we're wondering to ourselves, when is this ever going to end? Some of you right now might be going through one of those wilderness type moments. It just feels like it goes on and on and on, and you feel all alone, and nobody understands what you're experiencing, what you're going through right now. You feel lost, you feel alone, you feel disoriented, you feel frustrated. And what's interesting to me, when we look at these wilderness-type moments in Scripture, as we're going to look at like this morning, most of the time, oftentimes, they follow mountain-type moments. Just like the story that I just shared with you. We had this mountaintop moment preparing for Christmas. We were on cloud nine, and it turned to the wilderness pretty quick. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. He had a moment in his life. It was a a mountaintop moment where he was baptized in the Jordan River, and he was literally uh, in this experience where the heavens opened up. And we remember the story, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the image of the form of a dove. And and God verbally and publicly expressed his love and admiration for his son. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Imagine that moment for Jesus. And literally the next verse it says, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. We had this mountaintop moment for Jesus, and now he's in the wilderness. And some of you this morning may feel just like that. Things were going great, and then you found out maybe somebody wasn't being honest with you. You're in the wilderness. Maybe you thought your spouse was being faithful, and your spouse wasn't being faithful, and now you're in the middle of the wilderness. And for many of you watching online or here in person, someone in your family is sick, and it doesn't look well. It doesn't look good for them. And you can't even visit them in the hospital. And you're in the middle of the wilderness. You feel lost. You feel hurt. You don't know how anyone could, could really feel and understand what you're going through. Or maybe you're in a financial wilderness. You're trying and trying to get ahead, and it seems like whatever you do, you just can't make it. It's not good enough doesn't seem to work, and you try to tell people what you're going through, and I just don't feel like they understand truly my wilderness. You feel alone, you feel 
desperate in your wilderness. And here's what I want you to remember this morning. This is really important. I'm going to revisit it several times throughout our time together. It's our main point this morning. Whatever that wilderness is for you. The wilderness, your wilderness experience is actually a gift when it forces you to depend on God. It may not seem like it. As much as it hurts when you're going through it, it's actually a blessing if it helps you and forces you to rely and depend on God. In fact, this morning I'm going to spend a little time in a passage in the Old Testament where that is very true. If you have your Bible again, uh, turn back to the Old Testament in 1 Kings. We're going to be spending some time this morning in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to be talking about this man that many of you are familiar with, this prophet Elijah. And in our story this morning, he was literally on a mountaintop. Not like me, not figuratively, but he was literally on the mountain, the top of Mount Carmel. And he experienced the power of God. And almost immediately after this, we see that he shifted from this mountaintop experience to the wilderness. Where he's so desperate, where he's depressed, he feels like he's all alone in life, and he's scared for his life. And to give you a little context, a little backstory on what's happening here, there was this evil king named King Ahab, and King Ahab had an even more evil wife named Jezebel. And Jezebel had heard about all the things that this prophet Elijah had been doing, and she was getting pretty frustrated. And she said to her husband, look, if you can't get the job done, I'm going to take care of business. Right? She was kind of like the Margaret Thatcher of the Old Testament. And I don't think I could probably do a Margaret Thatcher impersonation this morning. I'm not real good at that. But if you remember her, she was famous for saying, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. And that's basically what's happening here. Jezebel sent word to Elijah and said, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. I'm going to kill you. And she threatened him. And King Ahab had been going after Elijah for a long time, very long time. But as soon as Jezebel got mad, Elijah got scared and he ran for his life. He fled. And we're going to pick up in 1 Kings 19, verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left, left his servant there. And I want to pause for a moment, because we read through this text, we may not understand exactly how far this prophet Elijah ran. In this story, Elijah literally turned into Forrest Gump. I mean, he kept running and running and running, and before it was over, he had ran over... 100 miles, and this was before we could, you know, call for a taxi or a cab or get a lift, right? This was 100 miles that he ran because he was scared for his life from this crazy woman, Jezebel. In verse 4, it says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. So he was just on this mountaintop. He experienced God in so many ways, and now he's running for his life into the wilderness where he's alone, he's scared, where he's hurting, where he just feels desperate. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed there that he might die. And then he said the words that so many of us have said or felt at some point, 
in our life, he said, I've had enough, Lord. I can't take any more. Please take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. I mean, this, this man, this prophet, had fought with bravery. He had faith. He had courage. And finally, he had just had enough. He was at the end of his rope. And many of us in this room this morning or maybe watching online can relate to this prophet, Elijah. You're just trying to keep your head above water. You're trying to figure out how to do your job from home. You're trying to figure out how to get your kids virtual schooled at home. Trying to manage everyone's schedule. You're trying to get dinner on the table and kept keeping the house clean. And, and as soon as you feel like you're getting ahead, you're managing things okay, something happens. Your toilet overflows. Your boss tells you if you don't meet this deadline, you're going to be fired. You know, your, your two-year-old sticks a tic-tac up their nose, and now you're in the emergency room, and you're figuring out how you're going to pay for that bill. And maybe your six-year-old uh, writes all over the kitchen table with a permanent marker. That was a very real moment for us last night. You know, you, you just feel overwhelmed. You're, you're starting to get ahead, and you just can't take it anymore. You've had enough. And this is apparently where Elijah was at in our story this morning. Because let me tell you, this guy had experienced the presence of God. He had experienced the power of God. He had witnessed some amazing things. He fought with bravery. He was bold in his faith. And, and if you don't know the story about Elijah, just some of the things here, he, he stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with this evil king. He had no problem doing that. He prophesied in the name of the Lord. And he called for a drought as punishment to the, to the king's sins. And sure enough, God provided for that. He stopped the rain, which obviously infuriated this king. And the king sent all of his men, all of his troops, against Elijah. And he went into hiding for, for about three years. But God kept him safe. He protected him. He even provided food from him as a miracle from ravens coming down from heaven. And he had experienced the glory of God. At one point, Elijah raises this little boy from death. And he challenged 850 false prophecies by the false god, Baal. He called down from heaven for fire. And God sent this fireball down on the altar and lit it up. Destroying all the false prophets. And then eventually, Elijah called to God for rain, and, and God provided rain. He saw this cloud storm in the distance that was about the size of a, a man's hand, and he had the faith to believe that God was going to provide for his needs, and God did just that. He provided the provision of rain. Elijah had experienced the protection of God. He experienced firsthand the provision of God, and he very well knew and felt the presence of God. He experienced God's greatness and his glory. And then one woman, this one crazy woman, makes a threat, and now all of a sudden he's fleeing for his life. How could he do that when he had experienced so much? But some of you probably feel that way right now, right? You've experienced God's glory and his greatness, and you've just had enough. You're at the end of your rope, and you can't take any more. You're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. You're doing the best you can. But it's just not good enough. 2020 has been a terrible year. COVID stinks. My loved ones are sick. 
My job is awful. My kids don't appreciate me. I just can't take anymore, Lord. I can't take anymore. And if this is where you find yourself this morning, if this sounds familiar, then I want to challenge you this morning to give yourself a health check. And I'm not talking about a COVID health check. We've done enough of those. I'm talking about a spiritual health check this morning. Because most of you are not merely just tired. If we were tired, we could take a nap, we could sleep in, skip church, get a little rest, and we'd feel better. That would take care of our problems, but that's not taking care of our problems. Instead of physical rest, you need spiritual replenishment. You need an encounter with a very real and very holy presence of God. What you need is an intimate moment with God where you experience his glory and his grace in all its fullness, his loving kindness, his mercy. You're not just tired. And, and maybe some rest would do you good. Maybe some physical rest would do you good. But I, I imagine it probably goes beyond just physical rest. You need an encounter with the grace of God. You need spiritual replenishment. And this is what David talked about in the 23rd Psalm when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. How many of us need our souls to be restored this morning? Because the season, this wilderness has been long. Lord, restore our soul. We're not just tired, we're not just worn out. We need a restoration grace of God to our souls. I'm not just physically exhausted, but I'm spiritually depleted. So what does God do in our story? God doesn't reprimand Elijah. He doesn't tell Elijah, you know what, this is all your fault. Where is your faith? Don't you remember what I did for you? Don't you remember the experiences that you've had? The miracles that you've witnessed? He, didn't, he doesn't do that. What does God tell Elijah here? He tells him to get some rest. In verse 5 and 6, he says this. Then he laid down. And he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. God provided for his needs. He provided for his physical rest. He provided some food and water for his needs so he could have the energy to get the spiritual replenishment that he needed. And essentially, sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do in the presence of God, is just rest. Sometimes we just need to take a breather and let God restore our souls. And then the angel of the Lord came again in verse 7 and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need the Lord to come back to me a second and a third time because I usually don't get it the first time. Right? And this is what was happening in our story. God comes back to him a second and a third time because the presence of God continues to pursue after you. And there's some that are listening this morning, watching some of you in this room where God is coming back for you again. And if you don't get it this time, he'll come back again. He'll come back tomorrow and next week, and the day after that, because he's persistent. That's what happened here. The angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat, 
some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. And some of you, you know, God's going to speak to you in this, in this way, this, the second part of this, uh, verse 9, where it says, But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Some of you this morning, God's speaking to you that way. What are you doing here? Why are you running from your problems? Why are you running from me? Don't you remember what I did for you? You've got access to me at all times. I'm right here. Elijah, what are you doing? Verse 10, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. In the spiritual wilderness, he's hurting. He, he's experienced so many great things, but he's had enough. He can't take any more. They keep coming after me. Nobody's doing it the way I'm doing it. I've been faithful to you, God. Nobody understands what's going on. I'm all alone. I'm desperate. And what does God do? God meets him in his desperation. He meets him in the wilderness. He finds him in his moment of vulnerability. And God brings healing in the middle of his hurt. And that's why I hope you understand this morning, whatever wilderness you're traveling through, however long it may seem, that you'll find out that it is actually a blessing if it forces you to depend on God. God comes after him again and again. He's persistent, and then he reaches out to him in his deepest need. And in verse 11, he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and as a mighty windstorm hit the mountain, it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. The ground shook. God wasn't in the earth when it shook. The wind raged, and God was not in that storm either. The fire came, but God was not in the fire. God, his presence was in a gentle whisper. Earth, wind, fire, God wasn't there. God wasn't in the remarkable he was in the ordinary whisper. Whisper, And why is it that we're, we're going through these wilderness moments when life is so difficult, sometimes it's hard to hear God? Why is he so gentle? Why is his voice so quiet in the wilderness? If God wants us to hear him, why doesn't he shout it from the mountaintops? Why does he whisper? Why doesn't he speak loud and powerful and in spectacular ways that the entire world can hear? If he wants us to know him and to hear him, why does he whisper? And I'll tell you why this morning. God whispers to us because he is near to us. 
He's close by. The devil shouts all of his lies, but God whispers the truth. God doesn't shout to get your attention. He whispers to draw you close. What does he say to you? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I know exactly what you're going through in your wilderness. And when you hurt, I hurt with you. I love you more than you could ever imagine. I'm with you in the valley. I'm with you in the wilderness. and I'm with you in the storm. He whispers because he's right there. He's close by. You know, when I think back to that storm, that season of wilderness for my wife and I, we were expecting some sort of incredible moment where the heavens would open up and God would speak down to us and say, you're going to have a child, just like he did with Abraham. But that's not how God chose to spoke to us. It was in a quiet whisper. It was through prayer where God calmed our hearts said, it's going to be okay. I know the plans that I have for you. I know what your future holds. I love you more than you can ever imagine. Scripture tells us in Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Why does he whisper? Because he's close. He is near to you have to listen to him. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley, and the valley's not my destination, I'm just walking through it. Even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is close to me. He never leaves me, he never forsakes me, but he's close by. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He anoints my head with oil. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely his, his goodness and his mercy will follow me all of my days. He is close. You don't have to go searching for him. He's nearby. Why does God whisper to his sheep? Because he's close and his sheep know him. They can hear his soft and gentle voice. Wherever you're at in life, whatever wilderness moment you're going through, I want you to know one day you're going to discover that it was actually a blessing because it forced you to rely on God, to trust him, to reach out to him, because he's always reaching out to you. He's always trying to draw you near to him. He has plans for you, plans to prosper, not to harm you, but to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. And you are valuable to him. He cares so much for you that he gave his son. Imagine that. If you're a parent, a grandparent, giving your child away for the world, for the sins of the world. And that's what we're celebrating, his birth this Christmas season. He did that for you. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you trusted him as your Savior, dwells within you and he is close and he's nearby at all times. He's working in your life. He has supernatural plans for your life. He wants to bless you with them. He's always with you. He's close by. You know, we enjoy him, don't we, on mountaintops. 
and enjoy when life's going pretty well. But we get to know him more intimately in the valleys. We're forced to trust him when we're wandering in the wilderness. When it feels like no one understands, he understands. He cares about your problems. He's always good. He's not in that booming earthquake. He's not in the rushing winds. He's not in the blast of fire that's going through. He's in the gentle, quiet whisper. If we just stop for a moment amongst all the chaos and all the rush that this world offers and just listen for his voice, we'll feel and experience the presence of God with us. He will meet you there because he is Emmanuel, God with us. This morning, he is close by. He knows your needs. You don't even have to tell him what your needs are. Just listen to his whisper this morning. He's holding out his hand, and he's waiting for you to come to him. Some of you this morning, are you're wandering through the wilderness and life, and, and God is close by. He knows your heartache. He knows your pain. He knows what you've been through. And you just need to listen quietly for his voice this morning. Maybe for you this morning, you've never trusted Jesus to be who he claimed to be, your Savior, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life. And, and just listen for that whisper this morning when we close in prayer. He's reaching out to you this morning. He is inviting you to receive the greatest gift that was ever given. You know, in a few short days, we're going to be giving and receiving some pretty amazing gifts, but nothing compares to the gift of God's grace. Being made right with the Lord, having your sins forgiven, redemption, salvation, and not because of anything that you did, but because of the grace of God. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, but it is a gift from God. Are you ready to accept that gift this morning if you haven't already done that? My prayer this morning is that somebody in this room, somebody watching online, is going to receive that gift this morning for the first time. Because you're going to accept a lot of gifts this week. Some pretty amazing things, some pretty cool things, but nothing compares to the grace of God. You don't even have to go looking for it. You don't have to search for it under the tree. You don't even have to open it yourself. There's people in this room, myself included, I would love to help you open that gift this morning, open that present. I would love to pray with you and help you accept Jesus as your Savior. I don't know how anybody goes through the wilderness without him. I know for a fact in my experience there's no way I could have got through that moment of life, that season of life, without Jesus being close by. He's always close by. Even when you are so far away, Jesus is close by. You just have to listen for his whisper, his gentle whisper. You're not alone. No matter how tragic it seems, no matter how long this season seems to be going on. It's been going on for a long time this year. You're not alone. Jesus is close by. His Holy Spirit is close by. Just listen for his whisper.